Hi, this is Adrienne Barbeau, and I'm coming up next on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. It's time for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is episode 131 of On Screen and Beyond. And, of course, this is your weekly source for info on remakes, sequels, upcoming movies, and our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. And this week, well... We'll be talking with actress Adrienne Barbeau. And, of course, Adrienne, she's been in so many movies, uh, great movies, The Fog, The Escape from New York, and uh, just it goes on and on, Swamp Thing. And, of course, she was Carol on Maud with B. Arthur, and she's, uh, you know, now currently on General Hospital, and she's got a new book out, and it's called Love Bites. And we'll be talking about that, so stick around. It's coming up with Adrian Barbeau in just a few minutes on On Screen and Beyond. And let's see, this past week, we unfortunately lost two notable entertainment icons. One, of course, was acting legend Tony Curtis. And about three or four years ago, I, I had the opportunity to spend a few days with Tony and his lovely wife. And I, I got to know the person behind the movie Legend, and it was quite interesting. Unfortunately, um, I was not doing interviews at that time, and I would have just loved to have uh, sat down with Tony and got some of that down on uh, on tape because he uh, just uh, had so many stories, and he just loved to tell his stories, and it was really interesting. And uh, we also lost writer, actor, producer uh, Stephen J. Cannell, who, of course, brought us the A-Team and uh, Rockford Files and just so much more. And our thoughts go out to both families, and uh, we... Uh, we feel their sadness, and they will be missed. And this week, we uh, will be checking out what's coming your way as far as uh, October releases from uh, the movies and TV and things like that on DVD. And let's see. Let's get started with remakes coming your way in October next on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. As far as October releases in the movies, it looks like the remakes are going to be, well, uh, the retelling of the story of the famous 1973 Triple Crown winner Secretariat. And uh, it's not officially a remake, but, you know, the story's been, you know, told in, in, in movies and TV uh, stories and uh, documentaries and things like that. So they are putting it on the big screen. And you can look for that on October 8th. That comes your way from Disney. And I Spit on Your Grave, the remake of the 1979 cult film, tells a story of a woman who is abused, tortured, and beaten by a group of men. She escapes and then seeks her own violent revenge on them. And it opens on October 8th. That's it for remakes coming your way in October. And next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming movies in October, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Okay, as far as movies coming your way in October that uh, you know, aren't uh, sequels or remakes, it's uh, Life as We Know It with Katherine Heigl and Josh Duhamel. It uh, tells the story of a couple who unexpectedly have a child dropped into their life. It's a romantic comedy. Check it out on October 8th. And Nowhere Boy on October 8th tells the story of the early life of John Lennon. And also in October, look for Red. It comes your way with an all-star cast, and it's led by Bruce Willis. Helen Mirren, and uh, John Malkovich. And it's about former top CIA agents 
on the run. All right, that's it for upcoming movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, sequels coming your way in October, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Sequel City in October, it looks like Jackass 3D continues the stupid antics of the bunch of idiots on October 15th. What more can you say? And it looks like a Saw 3D comes your way on October 22nd as it looks for more ways to torture people and the audience at the same time. It's also in 3D this time, of course. And let's see, also on October 22nd, Paranormal Activity 2 lands in theaters to continue to scare everybody. That's about it for sequels. Next on On Screen to Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD? We're going to tell you next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. TV on DVD in October, it looks like October 5th, you can look for All in the Family Season 7. Bones, Season 5, Gunsmoke, Season 4, Volume 1, Mary Tyler Moore, Season 7, Stargate Universe, Season 1. And October 12th, look for CSI Miami, Season 8, The Commish, The Complete Series, Dollhouse, Season 2, Marcus Welby, MD, Season 2, The Tudors, Season 4. And October 19th, you can look for Alias Smith & Jones, The Complete Series, the Bionic Woman, Season 1. Don't forget to check out our interview with Lindsay Wagner of The Bionic Woman. Just go back to our reruns page at On Screen or Beyond. You can find it in there. And let's see, what else here? Ironside, Season 4, and Tales from the Dark Side, Season 4. And October 26th, you can look for The Deputy, The Complete Series, and CSI New York, Season 6. That's it for TV on DVD coming your way in October. Now, next on On Screen to Be On, what's coming your way in October as far as movies on DVD? It's next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Okay, as far as movies on DVD in October, it looks like October 5th, you can get to The Secret of Kells. And also you can get Splice, The Karate Kid, and Nightmare on Elm Street. And October 12th, Jonah Hex, and The Language of the Enemy. Good movie there, I checked that one out. We have a review on our review page, so you might want to check that one out. October 15th, look for How to Train Your Dragon. And October 19th, Predators. And October 26th, on DVD, you can get The Girl Who Played With Fire. And that's about it for movies on DVD from On Screen and Beyond. Coming up next, we've got an interview with Adrienne Barbeau. That's right, Adrienne Barbeau. She was in Maud. She was in The Fog. Great horror movie there. Check that out around Halloween. It's a good thing to watch. The original. And uh, let's see. What else we got? Uh, she was in uh, Escape from New York. She was in Swamp Things. She was in one of the Cannonball Run movies with Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise and all, all sorts of things. So she's going to talk about all that and about her new book, 
Love Bites. Okay, she's been writing novels, and uh, it's a vampire-oriented book. And uh, she also did one a few years back, and this is a continuation of the story. It's a great book. Check it out, and we'll tell you all about that. It's coming up next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. <laughs> Joining me today on On Screen and Beyond is an actress who has starred on Broadway, was nominated for a Tony Award, has starred in films including The Fog, Swamp Thing, and Escape from New York, as well as co-starring in the classic TV show Maud. She can now be seen on the soap General Hospital, and she has a new book out called Love Bites, which is a follow-up to her 2008 novel. It's Adrian Barbeau. Adrian, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you. Adrian, you know, vampires are hot right now. And so is your book. The reviews are fantastic for it. They are. I was so, I was so excited when I first started seeing them. <laughs> I didn't know what, what anybody was going to think. But, uh, yeah, it, I'm, I'm really pleased. Yeah. Now, with your, the first novel, when you, when you wrote that one, uh, what what's made you decide to do that? Of course, you did your memoirs earlier in 2006, I believe, right? Yes. And, but what made you decide to go toward uh, writing a novel? It was... Well, <laughs> in part, it was totally a venal decision. <laughs> I, uh, when, my, when my memoir came out, there were things I could do. It, uh, it hit the L.A. Times bestseller list. And I was approached by an Irish author who had many uh, non-fiction, or, uh, horror and sci-fi novels published in Ireland. He, uh, he had had... I don't know if he'd had anything published in the States at that time, but um, uh, he approached me, and he had a real background in marketing and sales, and he said, you know, I think you wrote the wrong book. You should write a horror novel for your horror genre fan base, all the guys and gals that go to the conventions and, you know, watch The Fog and Swamp Thing and Creep Show and all of those movies all the time. And I said, well... Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure I could write the dialogue and the characters and the scenes, but I've never written a novel. I I don't know about story. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure about plot. And he said, I'll write it with you. So we did. We sat down and we wrote, you know, uh, we I came up with the idea that I wanted to do, you know, they say write what you know. So uh, what I know is, is horror novel, uh, horror movies and acting, and uh, being in Hollywood, and uh, being Armenian, and um, and being a strong sort of kick-ass, you know, heroine. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I decided a female vampire who was a scream queen and the head of a small horror film studio was what I could write. Yeah, I love the premise. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, I had a really good time with it. So we, we you know, came up with the idea, and, and we wrote six chapters and sent it off to St. Martin's Press and uh, Thomas Dunn Books, which mm-hmm. is an imprint of St. Martin's, and they came back and said, yeah, we want this one, and we want the next one after that. <laughs> so we wrote Vampires of Hollywood, and uh, by the time Vampires of Hollywood came out, my co-author had a young adult series that had taken off, and so he got really busy, and so I said, okay, you know what, I'll do this second one by myself, and uh, 
And that's Love Bites. <laughs> so were you, did you, were you comfortable with the characters by that time, you know, going yeah, into the second yeah. one? And, you know, I had written most of V of H, you know, I mean, most of what's on the page is my voice. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Michael had really laid out the storyline and where it was going. And uh, so when it time came to write Love Bites, I, uh, I actually sat down with another friend of mine who is also an author, uh, Julie Smith, uh, author of three different detective series. And um, <laughs> I sat down with her and I said, help me, you know, teach me how to plot. And uh, in two days, she sort of asked all the right questions. And I'll, suddenly I understood, okay, this is what I'm doing and this is where I'm going. And uh, and I got there. Now, do you do you sit down at a computer and type it out, Dad, or are you one that, you know, writes it out, you know, your ideas on paper first and then trans? put it onto your computer, or how do you how do Well, you when I was working with the storyline, I, I knew right away what I wanted to, to you know, how I wanted it to start. Mm-hmm. It's, it basically picks up where Vampires of Hollywood left, left off, yeah. although it is a standalone novel, and you know, can be read, you don't have to read the first one. Yeah. But I was interested in what had happened in Vampires of Hollywood between the vampire and the detective, and the vampire's girlfriend, the vampire being a, a woman, but uh, she's she's got an assistant who uh, she has a relationship with, and so I wanted to see what was going to happen with those three people as the vampire and the detective uh, came closer together. So I knew where I wanted to start, and um, then yeah, then I used a pencil and paper, and I you know okay, what if what if we go here? What if we go there? Mm-hmm. Blah, blah blah blah, and I I sort of plotted about a half of it, two-thirds of it, a half of it. I knew where I wanted to end up, and then I sat down at the computer. And honestly, if this had been 20 years ago before I bought my first Mac, uh, I don't think I ever would have written it. (laughs) (laughs) Because, uh, I mean, I was completely committed to the computer when it came time to do research or... uh, or to move things around, things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Now, when you're writing um, like that, are, are you putting any anything into it from, I don't want to say your life, because obviously you're oh, a yes. vampire, but... <laughs> yes, no, 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 you can say my life. <laughs> In fact, I went so far as to put um, one of my closest friends, Tommy Atkins, who you probably know from Lethal Weapon and The Fog mm-hmm. and Creep Show and yeah. Escape from New York and many, many, many other films and stage productions. But Tommy is hes such a great character in and of himself that I called him up and said, listen, do you mind if I use you? Because <laughs> I need you in this, in this novel. And, uh, so th- that one is, is uh, it's very clear mm-hmm, yeah. that uh, that is based on a real person. Some of the vampires are actors that you know from... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. From the 30s and the 40s, we've got Orson Welles Orson, in there, yeah. or I've got Orson Welles in there, and uh, Mary Pickford, and uh, and then there are some other stories that are veiled retelling of stories that I've heard about people in my business, um, you know, yeah. the agent stories and things <laughs> like that. Uh, so there's there's a an interweaving of uh, what I know about my industry and uh, yeah. what I just created. From nothing. Yeah, and I find that it, it, it's fun when you're reading along like that, and all of a sudden, you know, like you, you mentioned Orson Welles, and you know, you, 
people say, oh, wow, Orson Welles, you know. <laughs> it's kind of neat the way you've intermingled all those things. And uh, it's, uh, But, you know, you mentioned that the, your horror fans would love this, but it's really not just them. Uh, you know, it, it's a captivating story, and it, it's, you know, it's got a little steaminess to it, and it's got, <laughs> got a little humor. Well, and it, it, I, I, was, I, was, I was bowled over the first review I got in a romance magazine, <laughs> uh, because, I mean, although it is, you know, two people trying to come together in spite of the fact that they're being pursued by werewolves right. and uh, paparazzi and, and all other kinds of things. I, I didn't consciously set out to write a romance, but, right. but uh, yeah. I did consciously set out to get some steam in there if I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, your book isn't the one where, you know, it's got the Fabio on the cover with the wind blowing in his no, hair with the girl but... in his arms. <laughs> But I think if my if my publisher <laughs> could have gotten that one past me, he might have. Oh, really? But no, it's not a it's not a hardcore. It's not a romance novel. But right. It is a uh, sort of a sexy comedy in in many ways. You know, uh, uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm hoping that I got my humor in there. Oh, and yeah. I think from yeah. what I'm from the response I'm getting, uh, I did. Yeah. Now, I'm always interested. Now, the name, is it pronounced Ovsana? Ovsana. Ovsana. Now, how do you come up with that? I mean, you know, people put (laughs) names in, and is this something you were just sitting around, you know, and saying, well, that'll be good, you know, or did you hear something, or how did that come about? Well, her whole name is Ovsana Hovanes Garabedian, or Ovsana Garabedian, i got to go back and look now. (laughs) (laughs) And her last name is one of my family's names. You know, she is an Armenian vampire from, she's a Dachanavar vampire, which is a, uh, which was a clan of vampires who acted as, uh, who guarded the villages in the, around the Mount Ararat area. So this is, in, this, uh, this has a basis of folklore in it? Is yes, that, that yes, is a, yes. a, something that you find? Did you, you research that type of I thing? I did. Ah. And at one point I found myself saying to someone, well, no, she couldn't do that because Dachanavar vampires don't, you know, like, like I really knew, you know, like all of the vampire encyclopedias that I had studied were true. Mm-hmm. And who knows? You're right, yeah. Know, but, uh, but I took them for, for gospel. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, we've got the werewolves in there, and of course, uh, you know, I pulled out my werewolf encyclopedias too. Yeah. Huh. So, I'm sorry, about the name. How did you come up with that? I, I drew you off track. I'm sorry. <laughs> Afsana, no. <laughs> You've thrown me for a loop, actually, because I don't remember if, I, if that was, if it, I, I'm sure it is an Armenian name. It's not anyone I know. Meral, however, uh, who is Afsana's uh, assistant uh, and sometimes lover, uh, Maral is... An Armenian name happens to be the name of a, of a friend of mine who, oh. who is an Armenian, and, uh, and I loved it when I heard it. So I thought, oh, I've got to use Maral. Hmm. Um, it's, it's funny how people will put, you know, to you, it's an inside, I don't know, not a joke, but, you know, an inside thing that you've written, and some people will catch it, and some, you know, most people don't because they don't know who your friends are and things yes. like that. But yeah. uh, it's always kind of neat when you hear the, the backstory of those things. Yeah. Now, were you, growing up, were you a fan of uh, you know uh, the Dracula movies and the Dracula stories? I've or? never seen a vampire movie. Really? I don't think I've never seen a horror film except for the ones that I've done, and I only see those once usually, and some of them not at all. 
Um, no. I, what I am a fan of is series thrillers and series detective novels. Mm-hmm. I read nonstop, and I read Lee Child and John Sanford and Michael Connolly, Robert Crace, Robert B. Parker, you know. Mm-hmm. So what I set out to do when we first started, although it was a vampire novel, was write a mystery, a, a you know, a, a thriller. Um, I I think when I first started writing Vampires of Hollywood, I had only read two vampire novels in my life. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, um, and, and I didn't want to make, I mean, certainly this isn't an Anne Rice type of vampire, you right. know, it's, it's, she's very contemporary, and if anything, uh, probably more like uh, Christopher Moore's uh, Blood-Sucking Fiends or... Uh, and let's see, I think he has another one called You Suck, I can't remember. But they're, you know, contemporary. Right. Yeah. Um, not very flowery, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tend to write, I tend to write like a, a mystery novelist. Yeah. Very sort of cut and dried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, so. Yeah, now, um, is there a possibility that there'll be more on the on the horizon? You know, right now I am doing General Hospital. Right, yeah. And it's taking enough of my time that I haven't even sat down to decide what it is I want to do. I have made a commitment to spending my next week off, which I think is the first week of November, uh, you know, sitting down and bouncing some ideas around. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm... I'm it's sort of crossed my mind that it might be interesting to have the vampires of Hollywood uh, show up on a soap opera. You know? <laughs> interesting idea. <laughs> now, that I'm, now that I'm exploring that genre, uh-huh. um, but I, I haven't. I, I just. I haven't. I haven't decided. Just <laughs> when the when the the whim hits you, you'll decide, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's wonderful because it is a second career that I can do. You know, and not be uh, dependent upon anyone else for my creativity. Mm-hmm. I don't have to wait for a producer to raise the money to make the movie. I don't right. have to wait for the director to say, I, "Yeah, Adrienne is the one I want." Um, you know, I don't have to. I, I just. I don't have to wait for anybody. I can just sit down and start creating. So, so I think it is something that I will continue to go back to. Maybe in the times when I'm not acting, or maybe uh, inst- I don't think it'll ever be instead of acting. I really, I really enjoy acting. Yeah, well, so, we enjoy seeing you too on on the films or, no, or, or TV. <laughs> but it's a it's a wonderful addenda. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and it's so interesting that the the books are you know they're 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 fun and and you know people should definitely check them out because they're. Uh, they're uh, very interesting, and you know, of course, like you say, vampires are hot right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think Twilight came out after we had written Vampires of Hollywood, but once Twilight came out, it was like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> we're right in the middle of it. Well, that's the other thing I wanted to ask you: any chance that someday these might become uh, films? You know, I don't know, Brian. We had an offer on the first one, and oh, nice. it wasn't. It just wasn't the right situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that the second one is is ready, uh, it may be that vampires have peaked. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. Because, yeah. you know, it's, it's funny. When you read a book, uh, you know, sometimes some books, they don't strike you as, you know, this is a movie. But but this one, you know, as, as you're reading it, it's like, this would be a great, great film. You know? <laughs> oh, well... <laughs> But I gotta get it to the right people then. Right, I know that's the trouble with you know? it. We're trying to get that, you know, get like you say, waiting for somebody to raise the money and yeah. the directors yeah. and all that thing. It's 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 a big mess, you know. Whereas you can just do what you want, you know. Yeah. You can continue writing. Now, how did you come about getting into show business? I started doing musical comedy, live theater, when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, my mother had, you know insisted that I take dance lessons and voice lessons and I think uh, you know she was sort of she she really enjoyed it <laughs> herself and um, so when I was in high school I started working with the San Jose Civic Light Opera which at the time was a multi-million dollar organization and they did you know really impressive uh, productions and um, I guess what was in my, I mean, I'd never considered, you know, that acting would be a career. I mean, uh, there was nobody in my family that had ever done anything like that. I, I was not interested in television. I wasn't interested in film. I never went to them. Uh, you know, uh, from the time I was 14 or 15, I was rehearsing at night, so I never watched TV. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it would just, that wasn't. You know, I don't think I started seeing films until I my first year of college, and then they were all foreign films and you know very esoteric and all of that. Um, and then when I graduated high school, I went. I I was part of a musical comedy review that went overseas and uh, performed for the GIs in. At that time, it was called. The Orient, you know, mm-hmm. we were in uh, Korea, we were right on the DMZ, we were in Korea, we were in Japan, o- Okinawa, Taiwan, um, wow. an atomic testing center island called Johnston Island, and and um, and I, I came back from that and started college. I was going to get my degree and probably teach, you know, yeah. I hadn't thought anything more about it. And then I did another production with a woman who had been in New York, and she had been in an off-Broadway show. And she said to me, you know, you ought to go to New York. I mean, if you want to study acting or study voice or anything, that's where all the teachers are. And as soon as she said it, I thought, oh, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. And uh, I had been working part-time in a termite control, and I'd saved $1,000. And I just said to my mother, you know, I put all my stuff in boxes, and I said, when I've got an address, you know, mail it to me. And I went to New York. I didn't know a soul. Wow. And, uh, a lot of guts. <laughs> you know, and I started auditioning. And, and I said to myself, if nothing has happened by the time I'm 25, I will go back to school and uh, get my degree. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was 25, I was on Broadway. And that's, I mean, that's amazing to, to, to be, you know, to get on Broadway like that. And Now, you, you were, um, I think I read, Fiddler on the Roof was your first? Yes. Fiddler was my first Broadway show. Wow. I was a replacement. I, I wasn't in the original company, right, yeah. but I went in as one of the daughters hmm. and uh, shared a dressing room with Bette Midler, who was one of the other daughters. Wow! Long <laughs> before uh, the Divine Miss M. Huh. Now, now, did you two hang out together while? Oh you were... yeah, I love Bette, and, and and in fact, she started. She put her act together while we were doing Fiddler, and she used to, you know, she used to leave the theater every night and go to these little 
clubs around in the in the theater district and uh, and she was trying out her material and that was the beginning and then she went to the baths and and then it all took off from there yeah jeez but but what well i'm sure people do realize what a brilliant actress she was but she was already doing the show when i was cast and so i spent my two weeks of rehearsal sitting in the theater watching the show every night and every night of the week she brought me to tears she was just brilliant she yeah. played cycle you know hmm. just brilliant now with maud um i it just last week the week before whatever i was watching um i think it was tv land um and they showed an episode of maud uh and and the original carol was not you is that correct that's correct yes the the pilot episode no, let's see. B did a guest starring role on uh, on All in the All Family. All in the Family, right? Yeah. And that was so successful that the network. Well, I'm trying to think if if the daughter was established in that episode. I don't think so. The network then said, "We want this woman. You know, we we've got to have her like overnight." And so Norman uh, did the pilot. And he used uh, an actress uh, that he knew who was quite good. Um, and then the pilot sold. And I think it was a combination of two things. I think the actress did not want to relocate. She was, she was based in New York. And they may have also felt that as funny as she was, her delivery was so much like B's that they wanted a different take on the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they started auditioning. And... Um, I was doing Grease. I had been nominated for the Tony. Norman's casting woman came to see the show, and then she set up an interview for me with Norman in Manhattan. But uh, the character had already been established as having a seven-year-old son. And when I met Norman, uh, he said, you know, you may be wonderful in the show, but... uh, I, I don't think you look old enough to have a seven-year-old kid. I said, okay, fine, and I thought that was the end of it. And about a month later, I got a call from my agent saying they hadn't been able to find what they wanted in L.A., and would I fly to Los Angeles and, and audition for them on film uh, for the role. And I did, and they hired me. <laughs> and uh, I moved to L.A. It was the first time I'd ever been in L.A. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and it's funny how, uh, like I say, I saw that that episode with with the other person doing the the, the character, um, and then of course you know you did it for years, uh, and, and it's it, it's funny when you watch something like that and you fit. It, it, it was just you know I, I can't imagine somebody else doing it because it 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 was you. <laughs> you know? Oh well, thank you. The the role just fit. You know, well, you, you know, of course, you're acting, and you did a good job, and and it, it, but it, it, there's just something about something about the feel of the person who was playing that role, and you fit it. You know, I mean, it just seemed to fit right. Well, I think that's probably why they hired me because they saw something in me that could stand up to B, and yet not be as strong as B. You know, or have a, a different side or something, and. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, that's so much of television, you know, is, I mean, is not, uh, they're just looking for that essence. Right, You yeah. know, and uh, you're not really creating a character that's too far afield from you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right now, doing General Hospital, I, you know, they were looking for somebody who could be 
strong and ballsy, and <laughs> and uh, and that's my reputation. <laughs> No, that's uh, when since you mentioned that, that you, you, of course your character on Maud um, was you know a strong woman character. Um, you played Rizzo; that was a strong woman right. character, and, and a, a lot of your characters um, are like that. Um, it, which is actually, I think, it's pretty good because you know, I mean, you get tired of seeing you know the the weak. Uh, you know, woman character who's you know can't do anything and everything. But your characters are always you know you can take care of yourself. Well, I come from a long line of women who are like that. I have a my mother passed away when she was eighty one, but up until two months before she died, she was working three jobs. Two of wow. them were volunteer, but you know she yeah. was working. She yeah. was taking dance class. She was. Uh, going to swimming i mean you know she was just and she had taken care of us all her life and you know just she was just and my uh my aunt my mother's older sister is 95 she still drives everywhere she still cooks dinner for all of us every thursday night she cooks dinner for at least 25 people from the family every holiday she cooks dinner, lunch and dinner for, you know, at least 40 of us. And then the next morning, because everybody stays over in town, she's fixing breakfast for everybody and uh, lives by herself, takes care of everything, wow. the garden, everything. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I think it's just my Armenian heritage. You know? <laughs> <laughs> now, on Maud, when you were on the show, uh, was it a close cast? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. And, and although, you know, we've, I mean... Bill is still with us, and Connie is still with us, Conrad Bain, who I, I try and see whenever I'm in Northern California. He's living up there now. Uh, we, we, were re- we remained close all these years later. Yeah. But it was, it was a, an eye-opener for me when I went on and did other things to realize that, you know, not everyone uh, looked forward to going to work every morning like I did because really, yeah. it, was, it, it was just a wonderful cast. They were just great people. Oh. Everybody, all of them. I had the same experience on Carnival on HBO. Right, I was going to bring that up. But that's not necessarily the experience that every series actor has. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Voiceover work. You've done quite a bit of voiceover work too. I have. And I enjoy it. Cat, I, Catwoman I, seems to be. Yeah, your, Catwoman your... is is a big one. I've done a lot of uh, video games. I'm the voice of Hera on uh, God of War Three. That's the most recent one, I mm-hmm. think. Or Batman: Arkham Asylum. I did some on that one too. Um, I used to do a lot of books on tape, which I really loved because I love to read. Yeah. Uh, but uh, most of those are produced in New York now, and, and so I, I'm not doing those as much. But I love voice work simply because I don't have to get dressed right. and put on makeup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fact, I, I worked on a film with um, uh, Dom DeLuise, 
Oh yes, and a great guy. And now you were you worked with him on Cannonball Run, right? I did. Yeah. How I did. was he? Was he? Um, as I mean, a very nice person and everything. Yes. Uh, but was he as funny as he was? You know, now I mean, I saw him. You know, two three years ago before he passed away. Uh, but was back then was he as lively as he was? Oh <laughs> yes, he was. He was, and he was also. I, I did a. Uh, I've never told this story. I don't know if, how much I want to tell, but I did a, a stage play mm-hmm. back east. Um, uh, uh, that, and Dom was around the theater at the time that I was in rehearsal. And uh, I felt like I was in trouble with the character. Uh, one of the other actors was sort of all over the map with, with what he was doing. And um, I, I was just having trouble, control, you know, keeping the, the character true to who she was. And the director, who was wonderful, but he wasn't any help. He just kept saying, no, it's great, it's great, what you're doing is great. And Dom, I finally went to Dom because he was in the audience, and, and I said, you know I, I, you know, I don't know how to deal with this. And he was so helpful, and he gave me, he gave me some advice that just made all the difference in the world in, uh, in finding my way with that character. So he was, I, I was forever uh, indebted to him for that. But he was also just a lovely man and oh, yeah. funny. Yeah. Some of the horror movies you've made have, have been some of the best horror movies, you know, I think that have been made, you know, they, they, were, they weren't all the blood and guts. They were, they had suspense to them, you know, compared to what a lot of them are now where they just, you know, see how many people they can dice up. <laughs> yeah. But The Fog, um, how was it making that film? I loved making that film. I mean, in the first place, I, we just loved the location so much that John and I ended up buying a house up there. You oh, know, really? I mean, I think yeah. the, I think the, the, the location is almost as much a character in the film as any, all the rest of us. Oh yeah. And I was working with John, who I was, had we gotten married? Yes, I think we had just gotten married, and uh, who I, you know, I trust completely. So I couldn't have asked for a better director. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tommy Atkins, who was an old friend of mine, even at that point. And uh, it, it was great making it. I, I didn't have much to do with anybody else. Most of my scenes were by myself. Yeah, it's true. You, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it was like you were always, I mean, did you actually ever see any of the other cast members? I did. I mean, we were all up in uh, Northern California together for a little while. Everybody else was there. And uh, most, most of my stuff most of me, but the interiors, of course, of the lighthouse, we shot down here in L.A., so I was by myself on that. Yeah. But it was, again, it was like family. You know, John used, his producers were close friends, his location managers, his ADs, and we were all about the same place in our careers and in, a, you know, the same age, and, and it, so it was just, it was like hanging out with a gang, you yeah. know? Huh. And Escape from New York, um, Another good, you know, uh, sci-fi horror, whatever, uh, film, Kurt Russell, right. uh, Ernest Borgnine. How was it working with Ernest Borgnine? Oh, Ernie was great. Ernie was great. He was, at the time, I believe, he was prepping a one-man stage show, and he was very concerned that he wouldn't be able to learn all the lines. So most of his downtime, he was, you know, sitting over in a chair just working on lines. Donald Pleasance, on the other hand, was 
one of the funniest men I have ever worked with. Really? And <laughs> made me laugh so hard that there were times when I had to, you know, ask John. John would say, "Okay, rolling." You know, I'd say, "No, you've got to stop. You've got to wait because I can't get myself together here. I'm, you know, I'm supposed to be blowing away Isaac Hayes, and instead I'm I'm <laughs> holding my sides, laughing. Uh, again, a great, you know. A great group of guys. Yeah. Now, see, you wouldn't think that from from his acting because his acting is always so so stern and so uh, you know he do- doesn't seem to have a sense of humor in his when he's acting. He, it doesn't seem that he'd be the funny guy, you know. He was though. He was. Huh. As far as uh, anything coming up, uh, any movies or anything that you're going to be doing, or uh, I have actually. Um... Uh, I have a horror film, uh, my first zombie film. Ah. <laughs> it's only a twenty. It's a twenty-minute short, but it's been winning all kinds of awards. I think it won best horror film at the uh, at Comic Con. Mm. I guess it was last year, but it's making the festival circuit, and it's going to be uh, screening at uh, Screamfest LA in, uh, in a couple of weeks, I think. Oh. And um, I have one other one that's in the can that has had a limited release, a film I did with um, Alfre Woodard and Seymour Casal called Reach for Me. It's quite a, quite a lovely film, and I think we'll be seeing a wider release on that. Not and a horror. Not a horror for two more that won't, they won't take place until next, uh, next summer. But right now I'm working, on, I'm working on General Hospital, and I'm, it's a great gig. You know, I yeah. can take my kids to school and go to work, and uh, I'm having a good time. Now, do you find it more difficult uh, learning, you know, so many lines uh, for the filming of, of a soap opera as opposed to being on, on film? Uh, no, no, not really. Well, you were on Broadway, so you <laughs> you, you have <Yeah>. no trouble <laughs> remembering your lines. So, <laughs> so that that would that's probably easy for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 that, that's never been a problem for me. Learning lines. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a preference? Uh, uh, TV, film, soaps, uh, Broadway. You know, it's funny. My preference is based more on my body clock than it is on the medium. <laughs> I, I love working in film. I love doing little little pieces, you know, and 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 I'd rather get up at five in the morning and go sit in the trailer all day than have to get my energy up to go on stage at eight o'clock at night. Uh, yeah. uh, there's just something about, you know, doing stage. It's like, oh, well, I've got to, I better take a nap because I don't want to be tired. Yeah. And it, it sort of just colors my whole day. Um, but it really comes down to the project. I, one of my favorites was Carnival mm-hmm. for HBO. Yeah. Um, we were working long hours, but uh, there were so many of us in the cast that I never worked one episode, I probably never worked more than three days a week, you know, so it gave me time to be with my children. And, um, but I just love the material so much. Um, so it really, it really comes down to the material first. No, I think it comes down to I'd rather do film or television than stage first. Mm-hmm. But then if it's a toss-up between a great role on stage and a lousy role in a in a or in a, or, a, or a lousy role in a 
in a lousy film, right. I'm going to go with stage. You <laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's only natural. <laughs> and uh, so it really comes down to the words first. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I, I, I want to finish up here, um, but I got two, two quick questions for yeah. you. This takes us away from everything we've been talking about. Okay. Um, favorite TV show of all time, other than shows you've been in? Of all time. <laughs> this happens a lot, believe me. Okay, no, I'm just thinking. <laughs> um, well, there, it's a fight. There's a fight for several. And, or se- and yep, they're all going to be like, you're going to think, what? You no, know? that's right. It's named several. But, that's um, okay. There was, there's a show, there was a show on BBC called MI5 mm-hmm. that I really loved. Yeah. I really love Rescue Me. Yep. Um, consistently, you know, I think uh, there have been others that I've enjoyed, and then they've sort of gone downhill. Uh, I'm not a big, I mean, I can't go back to the classic TV because I never watched any of it. You know, my husband, sometimes he'll say, oh, he was in the Beverly Hillbillies, and I'll say, uh, <laughs> which one was that? You know, is that the one... I, I don't know. I don't have a frame of reference yeah, for any yeah. of that. Yeah, you were stuff. busy. You were working. <laughs> and um, I've never been a big sitcom fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, uh, even I Love Lucy and those kinds of things. I didn't. I didn't grow up watching them. I yeah. don't. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm thinking uh, the the only way I can answer it is the only thing I have ever bought. You know, on a DVD because I thought I might want it, want to watch it again was MI5 ah, okay. and Rescue Me. <laughs> yeah. What about movies? What's your favorite? What are your favorite movies? Okay, I uh, I loved Clute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The China Syndrome. Mm-hmm. Three Faces of Eve. Yeah. Two Women. Mm-hmm. And. Um, uh, there were a whole spate of oh, Rita Tushingham films that I used to that, that were mostly directed by uh, oh, oh, Soldier of Orange. I loved. I don't know if you know that. It was directed by the fellow that directed Paul Ver, uh, Paul Paul Verhoeven. Uh, uh, it was it was what brought Rutger Hauer and Joran von Krabbe to the United States. I okay. think a film called Soldier of Orange. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Those are, oh, against all odds. Yeah, yeah, good movie. Yeah. Uh, all the president's men. <laughs> so I don't know. It's yeah. sort of an eclectic. Yeah, no, that's that's right. It's, it's just Two interesting. Women, Sophia Loren. Yeah, <laughs> it's just interesting to hear what what uh, you know different people uh, like for films. So. Uh, Adrian, uh, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. This this has been fun. I've enjoyed this a lot. Thank you very much. And I, uh, you know, want to recommend that everybody who's listening to go ahead and go out and get Love Bites because it's a it's a fun book to read. And uh, I'm sure I want to wish you luck with it. I'm sure you don't need it because it's doing well, so well. No, I can. You know, we can always use more book sales. If anybody wants to know more about it, they can go to my website. Yes, which what is, is it? abarbo.com. And we've got uh, we've got a whole page there about love bites with some of the reviews and mm-hmm. Rob Zombie loved it so <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and we'll put a link on our site so people can just oh, click and you. get you right to yours and, great um, thank you very much for doing this okay thanks Brian. Adrian Barbo. 
thank her so much for taking the time to talk to us and share those stories. It was a lot of fun. And uh, check out her book, Love Bites. It's out in stores now, and you can check that out. And it's a good novel. Check it out. All right, and I want to thank everybody who entered our contest for the Iron Man, uh, I Am Iron, Iron Man contest, and uh, we want to thank you all for signing up for that, and uh, we had a winner, and uh, they're going to be getting their prizes directly from uh, Redbox, so uh, we appreciate you taking the time, and also check us out on Facebook, and uh, you know if you get a chance, like us out there, and uh, we'll keep you informed. You can check that out, because uh, it keeps you informed of things that are going on. Sometimes you get a little sneak preview of what's coming your way and things like that, so uh, check that out and uh, that's about it for right now uh, until next time thanks for listening this is Brian Zemrak take care